All right. Hey, so uh, we are in a series called Broken Saviors, as you can see behind us. And basically what we're talking about is idols, uh, things that you worship way more than Jesus. And now the whole point of this is not for this to be like a weird game of whack-a-mole, okay? Where you guys are looking at your insecurities and your problems and you're going like, oh, I don't like the way I look, uh, right? And then it's like, okay, I got one. And then the next thing pops up. I don't have a good relationship with any of my friends or whatever. And like, we're not trying to instill that all of this like weird anxiety and make you feel like you can never stop all of the problems that we're making you aware of. That's not the point. We're just trying to bring a bit of awareness to certain things just to get you thinking. It's not saying, hey, let's turn the switch and you need to be perfect in four seconds from now. No, that's not the point. We just want to know where the base is, what the starting point is, and that's the whole point of what we're doing. So we've talked about a number of different subjects, and so today we're going to have a conversation about wealth money and materialism. This is our conversation for today. If you guys have Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 19. It is a gooder. And uh, Jesus, if you guys don't know who Jesus is, he's kind of a big deal in the Bible. He is the son of God and he comes to all of his disciples and he says, hey, I'm going to give you a manifesto, basically the Coles notes of what it means to have the most flourishing life that you could ever have. And it's the most important passages of scripture that we have. It's his, his ultimate teaching to us called the Sermon on the Mount. And in Included in it, he has this piece, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, tonight and the group of students that we have, that we could just hear uh, your word and your teaching on this subject and the idol of wealth that we sometimes have. And I pray that you just grant uh, a big level of awareness for us. We just begin to see ourselves somewhere in this. And uh, in small groups, we just kind of get a big win and uh, some next steps forward. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. Just want to pray. Amen. I think the funniest thing about us is that we are so unaware of the things that affect us all the time. Money is one of those things that affects us. If you are in this room, if you got a ride here via a bus or a car, um, if you have running water at your house, if you are living in a home, you have to know that you living in Western Canada at this time in 2018, you are amongst the 15%, the top 15% wealthiest individuals who's ever been on this planet. You in the room. <laughs> The one applause. We've made it. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know who you are. We love you. Anyway, so you are amongst the top 15 most wealthy people in the planet that's ever existed. You in the room. So for you to say, ah, this is not about me. This is about you. Okay. Every single one of you ate probably three square meals today. And if you didn't, it's because of your choice, not because you couldn't. You have to understand the privilege that you have against you. And it, and it seeps into everything, this idea of money, of materials, of, of stuff. It goes and it sinks deep into our bones and we begin to think to ourselves, no, nah, I don't deal with that problem. I don't deal with that problem. But you do. 
I was reminded this week I was at a wedding and my friend Jason told an illustration. I thought it was really powerful and it's about our friend Jeff. Our friend Jeff is a youth pastor at Peace Portal and in his office he has this beautiful old radio. And uh, this old radio is like from the 1930s. It's been maintained. It's been kept up. It's been fixed. And you watch it and you see something that's lasted a very, very long time. It's this beautiful thing that a craftsman at one point put together so beautifully and it's so technical and nice and it's been fixed multiple times and it's, it's been maintained. And I thought about that, and I go, that's so different from you and I. Uh, my iPhone the other week was acting up, and I was losing my mind. It wouldn't charge on me, and I'm like, you want me to hate my life, right? Like, I was going nuts. So I go to the Apple store, and I'm like, I need you to do something, right? Like, I'm super stressed and, like, sweaty. They're like, uh, you got to be, like, 45 minutes. I'm like, 45 minutes? Oh, my. Like, I'm just losing my mind. So I'm like, okay, 45 minutes, put in the thing. And then I think to myself, I'm just going to go downstairs to the Telus store, see what they can do for me. So I walk in, and I'm like, hey, my phone's broken. Like, I need a new one. What can you do? do and they start going through all this stuff and, and they start saying, okay, well, you've paid a hundred bucks, get a new two-year contract, we'll give you a new phone. And I'm like, oh, boom, there we go. Snag, pop, pivot, pop, boom, bop, got a new phone, leave the whole thing. And then it hits me. Wealth, materialism, consumerism was me in that moment. Why? You and I have zero idea about anything with that radio. You and I do not live in a culture of fixing something. We live in a culture of replacing something. If something's broken, we do not try to fix the very thing that it is. We replace it with something else. And we think it's just money until you realize you do the same thing with your friends. You get into a little bit of a, a fuss, a little bit of a fight, and you can spend the time trying to mend and fixing the relationship, or you can go, yeah, we're done, I'll find someone else. The whole idea of wealth seeps into a lot of different things. And this is why it affects you. This is why when Jesus talks about it, it is such a big deal. This is his manifesto for life. And one of the things that he's trying to teach you is something that uh, Robert Coles, he's a Harvard professor, this is what he says, that the task of connecting intellect to character is daunting. The task of, of making intellect and character go together to sync up is daunting, and that's all that Jesus is trying to do. What you understand is what I want you to finally do. And his main task for today is money. Money is something that Jesus talks about a lot. Half of his parables have to do with money. They say that one in every six verses in the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, talk about money. He's talking about money all the time. Jesus talked about money more than he ever talked about heaven or hell. And there's a reason for this. It's because, remember the first week we talked about all of those source idols? What money begins to do is it brings to us like a weird dream. We love money because of what it can offer us. It can offer us comfort. We don't have to do anything if we, want, if we have all the money in the world. Oh, life sucks. Tahiti, right? Like we can just go off and we can do whatever I want. Like comfort is what this thing offers me. But then in addition to comfort, money also offers me a, a plethora of a bunch of different things. It offers me power. Because if I have more money, I begin to know that I'm better than you. And don't think that you are bigger than this. You go to the downtown east side. You drive through. And do not tell me there's not a sense on the inside of you saying, I'm better than these people. It happens to all of us. It's the dark core of who we are. It's power. It's I mean more to them because I have more than them. 
But what Jesus is saying is, listen, you got to flip this whole thing around. And whatever you think about money is completely different from what it is. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What he's saying is do not have the Egyptian mentality of life. You and I, we hoard a bunch of stuff. We just get a lot of things more and more and more, and that's what we get told is the dream. You get more things, you become more important. If you become more important, you have more influence. If you have more influence, you have more power. If you have more power, you are awesome. That's what we believe. So to get more stuff is you getting onto the path of that whole little cycle there. But Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Why are you bringing up more stuff? Why are you getting more things for yourself? That's the opposite of what I want you to do. Don't you realize that everything that you own right now, everything you own is the future things of every garage sale and every dump in our area. Everything you own. Mr. Fluffy, the little teddy bear that you're like, that thing's going in the trash pretty soon, right? Your Xbox, your computer, your cell phone, all of these things are the stuff of future dumps and future garage sales. They're useless. The Egyptian mentality is, man, all of these pharaohs who would be put into these pyramids, they'd be put into their crypt and their coffin, and everything around them was all of their stuff. When they found King Tut, what did they find? A dead body and a bunch of things. That's the way that we, at times, want to live life. And that's not at all what he's saying. What he's saying, when he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, it's less of, a, less of an ask and more of a command. Stop hoarding things. Stop just making a big pile of stuff. Accumulation is not the goal for you as a follower of Jesus. Simplification is. Simple. Have the things that you need. Don't buy into this whole idea that the more you have, the more important you are. Because it's not true. We have this thing in the church. It's called the prosperity gospel. It's the worst thing in the world. It basically says to you, if you are more blessed, you are going to have more things in life. You're going to have better relationships with people. You're going to have more money. That Ferrari you want, just Say it and claim it. And this is what you begin to have. And a bunch of people buy into this. If you follow Jesus, life is going to be easy. Health, ooh, it's going to be perfect. You're going to get a supermodel wife, whatever. This is what following Jesus means. And people buy into it all the time. Oh, yeah, I just need more things, more things, more things. Yes, that means that I am blessed. It's not true. See, the reason why the prosperity gospel works is because it affirms those who are already rich It inspires the poor. It gets both of those individuals. But the one question that nobody in that camp asks themselves is shouldn't you think about how unconcerned Jesus was about his own wealth? That is a terrifying question. Money revolves around so much about what we do. And Jesus walked from road to road without a home, without a pillow, without money to his name. He was so unconcerned. And the times that he did talk about money, he wasn't even talking about his own. He was putting in a framework for other people to start thinking about it for maybe the first time. Money influences us. Stop trying to get more of it. But how do you begin to let it go? It's so funny when it says all the things that you have are eventually going to be destroyed. 
It's moths, it's rust. All of these things are like, they're so perishable. Like they're going to go away. Uh, my wife is like, ter- like horribly terrified of moths, okay? Uh, we were in uh, Guatemala last year for our missions trip, and uh, there's a bunch of us, right? A bunch of us in the room. We were all painting this school in Guatemala, and we're up there like, ooh, yeah, wow, nice paint, right? Like we were just doing the whole thing. Like it was, it was like super good form. And so what we had to do is we had to build these, uh, these things, like the kind of big old, uh, whatever they're called, thingamabobs. And you would climb them up and you would sit on them and then you would go and you would paint the rest of the stuff. And that's what you would do. You would build all of these stanchion kind of thingamabobs, right? So my wife's at the very top of this thing and, uh, and we're all sitting there. We're having a good time singing Justin Timberlake or whatever. Everyone's getting their like paint on, you know, because when you paint, it's like, a good time. So she's at the top of this thing. It's probably from here to maybe this like black pole thing from where I am. And, uh, and we're just hanging out. We're having a good time. And I see her at the top and she's just having a good time. She's like gyrating as she paints. And all of a sudden she flips out and screams louder than I've ever heard her scream in my entire life. And what goes through my mind? I'm a widow, right? This chick is falling off the top of this thing. I no longer have a wife. I'm done. I'm going to have to get on Christian Mingle. You know what I mean? Like, what the heck? I'm just kidding. Plenty of fish. Anyway, so out of this thing, she's like falling off. And I'm like, that's what, that's what my mind goes to. It's like, oh, no. Like half the room was like, tinder. Anyway, so uh, she falls off. I'm thinking that she's dead, like that she literally fell off. I look there. And she's totally okay. The whole thing is shaking. And I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, there was a moth. A moth? What is a moth going to do? Right? It's like when I used to be scared of Chucky. You just, that's all you do with it. What? There's nothing. It's a moth. It's the size of a quarter. You could have killed it with your tongue. Like, what are you talking about? Like, she flipped out. And her whole mind, I always asked her, I always asked her, why are you so scared of moths? She goes, because they kill my sweaters. That is not a reason to be afraid of something. It's a, it's a disservice, right? Anyways, rant over. Moths, that's the only connection to this passage. Okay, uh, verse, uh, verse 20. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Basically, the whole idea that Jesus is trying to say here is, man, your treasures on earth are doomed, but the treasures that you have with Jesus are everlasting. The things that you cannot, you cannot keep the things you have now, but you can definitely send them ahead. There are treasures that you can set ahead of you and not necessarily just keep with you. What are those treasures? What are the things that you can grow in that have an everlasting point and a part of what it is that he wants us to do? That's the point where Jesus is saying pretty, pretty clearly that the money belts, which don't get holes, and the way that you gather treasures in heaven that never fail is at some point selling everything that you have and meeting the needs of other people. It's not by accumulation. It's by simplification, having the things that you need and offering it to those who don't have much. That's the way that you maximize your everlasting treasure. We think so often about what can I get? What can I get? What can I have? What does life offer me? And at times we don't think about what can I do? What can I give? 
How do I serve the people next to me who don't have as much as I do? You have to know that. The city that we live in, the amount of people who live under the poverty line in your very city, who go to your school, who don't have lunch like you have lunch, where you get mad at your parents for not making you the thing that you wanted. Grow up. That's where we're at. As a follower of Jesus, sitting here and being so selfish with ourselves, saying someone is making me food and I'm going to be disrespectful because it's not what I like. I think that's exactly what he's challenging. Life is not about you. If you think your whole life is about you, then that's the whole reason why we're doing this series. Has to be more. You have to care more. There are people around you who have absolutely nothing, and we're wasting our time all the time just thinking about me, 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 all the time. Like, this has to be different. And the reason why at times we get so caught up with money is because what it can do for us. Have you ever thought to yourself that probably you're never going to get a large sum of money because Jesus wouldn't trust you with it? Who would you become if you won $10 million? What would you do if you won a million dollars? You would probably act in a very completely different way. There's a guy named Rick Warren. Uh, he sold uh, a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It was the number two best-selling book of all time after the Bible. It's a big deal. And The Purpose Driven Life sold so much money that this guy was beyond loaded. A pastor in California, he stopped, uh, he stopped taking salary from his church. He said, man, my book has sold enough things, like I don't need the money from the church. So he stopped taking the money from the church. And uh, tithing is a thing that we do in church where you give 10% of your income back to the church to make, allow it to flourish and serve other people. And that's one of the things that we do. 10%, that's usually the number that we kind of throw around. Uh, you want to know how much Rick Warren gives? 90. He reversed tithes. Gives 90% of his income away and keeps 10% for himself gives 90% of his income away, and 10% he keeps for himself and his family. So one time, an interviewer goes up to him and says, why do you think God allowed you to be the one who published The Purpose Driven Life? He said, very simply, I think God let me do it because he knew what I was going to do with the money. He knew what I was going to do with the money. And if I'm honest with myself, that's why I didn't write a bestseller. Because I don't think I would do that. I don't think I would be like him and what he did with it. I think there's so much character development in me that God would not allow me to have some of these things because he doesn't trust me with it yet. Let's just be honest. Do we care more about money and things and materials than we do people? Because I think if we're straight with ourselves, we do. I care much more about the phone than I have than whether somebody else has a meal. I care much more about the house that I live in than if somebody else is enjoying their life. It's about accumulating. It's about growing things for us. But what Jesus is saying is stop thinking about here and now. Start thinking about the future. Death is looming for everybody. What have you stored up for yourself? Who have you told the gospel to? Who have you shared eternal life with? Don't you realize that there's greater treasures than a phone or a laptop or a video game. That's the point. 
I know, I'm being such a Debbie Downer. But I apologize, but not really. Because it's life. This is the point of us being together here. To listen to Jesus, the most famous human being that's ever lived. God in flesh. Like, if we're actually believing the stuff that this guy's saying, that, oh, you are God who has come because you have mercy on us, lived a perfect life, given us a manifest, like the absolute greatest lesson you could ever give, you died on a cross and you took all of our sin on your behalf, I think he has the opinion to say, stop wasting your money on stuff and stop putting your value in the stuff you buy for yourself. I think he's allowed to say that. Why? Because he knows exactly what you do and how you think and how your heart works. Because this is how he finishes off this little passage in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart, it's your will, it's every decision, it's how you feel, it's how you think, it's the, it's the headquarters of who you are. That's how the Bible uses your heart. And where is your heart? It's where your bank account is. It's where your bank statements lead to. That's where your heart is. We talk about this with adults all the time. When they go into new churches, the last thing to get converted is the wallet. It's the most precious thing to them. At times, it's the most precious thing for us. We build all of these things. We make it about us. And we say, man, I, I care about all this. No, no, no. Where does your money lead? Because that's where your heart is. You spend all your money on makeup. Probably have a thing about beauty that is probably not the best. You spend all your money on food. Self-control probably isn't a very good thing for you. You spend all your money on video games. And you're probably stuck in comfort and all you want to do is just have your way. And every single time somebody stops you from playing your game, you freak out because, no, that's what I want to do. Control is probably an issue for you. Look at where your bank account leads and you will see where your heart really follows. That's what Jesus is trying to say. You cannot serve both God and money. And this is the reason why. Uh, Psalm 135, 15, 18. Uh, this is what it says. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands, okay? Silver and gold. People are making these things. These are idols. These are little statues that people are making with silver and gold. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear, nor is their breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. What he's saying is, imagine how dumb this is, okay? There are people who get a bunch of sticks. They go, okay, we got sticks. We got five of them. We're going to put them together. So they get some super glue or whatever, and they start putting it on these sticks, and, and they put all these sticks together into a really cool, interesting format. And then they go, all right, weird stick configuration. You are my God. It's a bit silly, right? So what they begin to do is they place value in some dumb thing that they made, and then they allow that to offer them value in life. They put value into something, and that thing gives them value back. And you're like, that is so stupid. Why would anyone ever do that? Until you begin to realize you and I do the same thing. Five bucks. This thing is worth five dollars. But the material that makes this note up is not worth five dollars. We have, as a culture, symbolically given this thing value. 
This little piece of whatever it is is worth five bucks. Why? Because we say it does. And then what do we do? The thing that we as humanity have given value is the very thing that reflects our value in life. That's why when somebody asks you how much are you worth, you give them a dollar amount. The thing that we have created is now the very thing that we find value in. And you think they were stupid with doing it about sticks? You and I did the same thing with chemicals. It's the point. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And Jesus' last thing that he wants to say very quickly at the end in verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Why? Because they are completely different things. Money is selfish in nature. If you build a business, you're asking yourself, how much of it can I get? That's the goal. How much can I get? The kingdom, God, what Jesus did, is not how much can I get. It's how much can I give away, which is exactly what Jesus did on the cross. At no point in his life is he saying, what am I going to do that's best for me? No, he looked at every single one of you and said, what is it that I can do to make it best for you? To the point where he humbled himself to the, to the cross. That he who knew no sin took sin on your behalf. That you can become the very righteousness of God so that when God sees you, all he sees is Jesus. That is insane. And that's the point. That if I ask you how much are you worth and you give me a dollar amount, you do not understand true reality in terms of what the Bible is saying. It's so much more. Because what we do with money is actually really interesting because it's true. We give value to something. It doesn't have inherent value unless we give it to it. And you and I get that. But we begin to see our own value as very surfacy. It's the way that I look or the way that I behave or the things that I do or the things that I have. That's what offers me value. It's whether I'm broken on the inside or not. It's whether I have issues or insecurities or problems. All of those things begin to affect my worth and my value in everybody else's eyes. And I'm going to tell you right now that's a lie. Because what you do with that is not what you do with yourself. Let me give you the example. As a raise of hands, how many of you want this five bucks? Okay? A lot of you, I'm assuming, want this five bucks. Okay? How many of you want the five bucks? How many of you want the five bucks? You just proved yourself the point. Even though it was ugly, wrinkled, disgusting, broken, you saw the value in it regardless, and you don't do that with you. And you have problems. You have issues. But what God says is all the dumb little crap that you have in your life, it's exactly like this. And does that affect the value? No. So why do you think it does? Because what's your value? What's your price tag? What are you worth? Whatever was paid for you. And what was paid for you 
was not the instinct of money. Man, it's, it's selfish. It's all about me. No. What was paid for you is God giving his life on your behalf so that he can bring you back to life. Let's be honest and let's be very serious here. The gospel in Jesus is not about making bad people into good people. The gospel in Jesus is all about bringing dead things to life. Those are very different things. And that's what he wants to offer to you. Who do you serve? Money? Material? Things? Or Jesus? who gave his life on others' behalf and did not ask himself, what can I get but what I can give away? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you that you could really allow us to kind of see ourselves in this, in this passage, and that we would begin to understand that we cannot serve two masters that our goal in life is not to accumulate more stuff, but it's to simplify, it's to give away, it's to take responsibility for those who do not have as much as we do. Father, I pray that you would uh, allow us to really see maybe ourselves in this for the first time, that we would be more aware of the value that we have, and it's not about money at all. There's, there's a value that's been given to us that's outside of all of those things, and it was shown in the cross. So, Father, we thank you uh, that we could just have this time together, and we pray that you would just do much with yourself. Just want to pray. Amen.